It was W.H. Alden, the poet, who said decades ago that this is an age of anxiety. And I suspect if W.H. Alden were alive today, he would say it's even truer for these present days that we are living in an age of anxiety. There's a lot that we could worry about if we chose. Now, I do differentiate between worry and appropriate, adequate concern. Um, Jesus is talking about worry here. Worry is when we invest a lot of energy or effort in concern over things that we have absolutely no control over. That's worry. Worry is useless concern. But adequate, appropriate, prudent concern is what the Bible teaches in places such as the book of Proverbs. So we, in our lives, need to be clear about where we are worrying and where we are evidencing appropriate, adequate, prudent concern. And it all has to do, is it over something upon which we have some degree of control? There's a lot in life that could cause us to be excessive people of worry if we chose that path. Uh, the world is still a violent place. The world is still a dangerous place. The world today, of course, is dealing with the COVID pandemic. And this list could go on and on and on. We live in a world of economic insecurity, whether we admit that or not. Sometimes we live in a state of denial to keep ourselves from worrying. I think it's important to be realistic about life, but then to know how we navigate this age of anxiety in which we're living. Worry is so disabling because it really doesn't change anything about the days to come. I've discovered over the years much of which I have worried about in my past never even came about. Worry is useless in so many ways, but worry particularly can be disabling in so many ways. Worry doesn't change the future, but worry can keep us from living as a hope-filled, expectant, excited people. Worry can suck the faith and the peace out of our lives. We are continuing in the sermon series on finding peace. And today we're talking about finding peace with our future. We all have a future that holds something in store for each one of us. Last week we talked about how if we want to find peace, we need to develop a right relationship with our past. If we want to find peace, we also need to develop a right relationship with our future. Jesus is teaching us that here in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 and following. Jesus, of course, is the consummate teacher. Beyond that, in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus is being presented as the new Moses for the people of Israel. And we know that life is difficult today. Life has always been difficult. It was the 
political philosopher Thomas Hobbes, who famously said about 400 years ago that life is solitary, poor, nasty, brutish, and short. And that may be overly realistic about life, but life can be difficult today. Life was very difficult in Jesus' day. In Jesus' day, the average life expectancy was around 35 years old. And that just depended upon if you survived infancy. If you survived childhood, many, many children died in infancy in Jesus' day. Uh, in Jesus' world, a toothache could mean death for you. So Jesus particularly knew a world that was solitary, poor, nasty, brutish, and short. He also was living under Roman occupation or Roman oppression there in the Holy Land. So when someone in that culture says to those of us in this culture to refrain from worrying, as a matter of fact, he gives it in the form of a commandment twice in this text, at least twice in this text, do not worry. When someone from that culture says that to those of us in this culture, we need to pay attention to what Jesus is saying. This text that Clark read for a few moments ago is easily divided into three sections with three important words of advice, holy advice coming from Jesus, the consummate teacher coming from Jesus, the new Moses, who in the Sermon on the Mount, like the original Moses, has gone up on the mountain and is now delivering a new law. And in the delivering of this new law, Jesus speaks to us about worry, about the future. <clears throat> there are three things he says to us. He starts off by making sure that we remember that we need to always be mindful of our value. That's what he's saying here in uh, verse 25 and following. Really, the, the largest chunk of this text concerns this issue. Remember your value. The world around you, many of the people in your life, will not help you remember your value. They will help you detract from your value. But hear Jesus. Jesus said, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. Again, commandment. Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food <clears throat> and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. So there's his first example from nature, birds of the air. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your span of life? We know we can't add a single hour to our span of life through worrying, but now we know worry can subtract some hours, some days from our lives. So he talks about the birds of the air, and of course he's on the mount, teaching the Sermon on the Mount. They could see birds, so that's his first illustration from nature. And then, then he offers another illustration from nature, verse 28, and why do you worry about clothing? Some people are real worried about clothing. 
And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field. There's your second example. Second example from nature. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, you remember Solomon, second, third king of the United Israel, his name means peaceable. He was a man of great, great wealth and great, great wisdom that God had blessed in remarkable ways. But Jesus says, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one one of these, the lilies of the field. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you have little faith. Always remember your value. Always remember your value to creation. Always remember your value to God. And again, the world around you will teach you that sometimes teach you that you're not worth much, that you're not very significant. Well, God would, God would contradict that. No one else ever created can do what you were created to do here in this world. So always remember your value. You're part of the, that part of creation that is in the category of more value. We are among those who have more value. So we need to remember that as we think about the future. And then secondly, it's pretty obvious Jesus here is saying, that we need to keep the main thing the main thing. As Stephen Covey made popular um, a couple decades ago when he wrote Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Beginning at verse 31, Jesus is saying the same thing. Therefore, do not worry. There's the command again. Therefore, do not worry, saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? Some people are more concerned about going out to eat and going shopping and ordering from Amazon.com than they are concerned about an appropriate relationship with God. Therefore, do not worry saying what we will eat, what we will drink, or what we will wear. For it is the Gentiles, or in Jesus' world, the pagans, the non-believers, those who are outside of God. For it is the Gentiles who strive for all of these things. Sometimes we inadvertently put ourselves in the category of the people who strive for these things more than anything else in life. For it is the Gentiles, the pagans, who strive for all these things, and indeed your heavenly Father knows that you need all these. And then comes verse 33. As he's talking about keeping the main thing, the main thing, this could be the summary of all that he's saying here in this text. And then he's going to conclude in the next verse. But this could be the summary. Verse 33, but strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. (coughs) Excuse me. It was 42 years ago when that verse changed my life. That verse set the direction for my life. It was 42 years ago when I was struggling 
with my call to the ministry. As a young college student, the God had been working on me for a long time. And it was during that season when I was struggling with what God wanted out of me, with, with what path or trajectory God wanted me to follow in life. And it was this verse that became the guiding principle in my life. And I still seek to allow this verse to be the guiding principle. I learned it as seek ye first the kingdom of God and God's righteousness and all these other things will be added to you. Seek ye first, strive first for the kingdom, the rule, the reign, the influence of God and everything else needful will be added to your life. He is saying here that if we do what he's calling us to do, live rightly, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. If we live rightly, righteousness, if we live rightly in a right relationship with God and our neighbor, if we seek righteousness in the midst of seeking the kingdom of God, and the kingdom of God is not a biblical term for the next world, when Jesus talks about the kingdom of God, Jesus is very much talking about a present reality, part of the world today. The kingdom of God is nothing less than the rule, the reign, and the influence of God in this world right now. And God, through God's people, is extending that rule, that reign, that influence in this world. So it's very clear we, we seek that first. And then all the other parts of our lives will fall into place. Some of the people who are so frenetic and anxious and worried because the parts of their lives are not falling into place are not paying attention to Matthew 6:33. Seek ye first, strive first to live rightly and to live in such a way that you are embracing and sharing the rule, the reign, the influence of God. And then all the rest of your life will begin fall into place. You won't get everything you want, but you'll get everything you need. Remember how he takes care of the lilies of the field. Remember how he takes care of the birds of the air. He, he will take care of us. But we've got to rightly order our loves. As St. Augustine said frequently, we can have the second most important thing, the third most important thing, the fourth most important thing, the fifth most important thing in our lives. We can have many, many loves. You can love God. You can love your spouse. You can love hot dogs. But you better keep them in the right order. We have to rightly order our life by rightly ordering our loves. And then our life will fall into place. That's what Jesus is saying here in verse 33. He said to us, remember our value. He is saying to us to make sure we keep the main thing, the main thing. Life is so distracting. Life can take our focus off the main thing, seeking the kingdom of God, the rule, the reign, the influence of God in our lives and in our work. Now, Jesus is not promising 
that this striving after the kingdom will be easy. As a matter of fact, in several places, he reminds us it will never be easy. Again, more people died for their faith in Christ during the 20th century than any other century in church history. And the 21st century will probably break that record if we continue in the direction in which our cultures have been going. So this striving after the kingdom will not be easy, but you've got to give up the desire for an easy life. You've even got to give up the desire for a successful life if you want to seek significance, if you want to seek impact on others. Jesus is helping us do this by making the main thing the main thing. And then lastly, and this is probably the conclusion of this section, just verse 34. He tells us in, in a modern day phrase to just take one day at a time. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. Don't borrow stuff from the future to worry about. It may never come to pass. Today is enough to focus upon. In the front of my Bible, there's a verse that says, comes from Psalm 119. It says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Notice the promise there. God's word is, is a lamp to my feet, right here in front of me, my feet. God's word will show me the next step. Now, I really wish God would show me where I'll be at a decade from now. That's not the way God works. His word and his work in our lives will be a lamp to my feet and a light to my path, but just the next step. We've got to learn to take one day at a time. Just do the best we can do and just do the next thing. You eat those elephants one bite at a time. You can't eat them a whole on the first day. Living one day at a time simply means that we deal with each day's problems as they come instead of worrying about the future, instead of thinking we can solve everything concerning the future today. And even though it's a modern phrase to live one day at a time, it comes from Jesus who tells us not to borrow worry from the future, to, to just be concerned about today. Do the best you can with the gift of God, the grace of God, the work of the Holy Spirit, the guidance of God's word, the wisdom of God's community. Do the best you can and just do the next thing. And before you know it, your life here on this earth will have been lived and you will have lived it well. Not easy, not perfect, but you'll have lived it well. So friends, I hope that you will give peace a chance in your life. Hope that you'll give peace a chance, but you've got to be in a right relationship with your past. We talked about that last week. You've got to be in a right relationship with your future in order to find peace in the present. 
Stay focused. Do the best you can. The tour guide that I work with in Israel, that I've worked with for 20 years, um, he helps us navigate the big city of Jerusalem. And he always tells us to trust God, but tie up your camel. Stay focused, do the best you can. And don't be afraid to trust God for the future. Don't be afraid to trust your unknown future to our well-known God. A God whose character has been revealed to us throughout the scriptures. A God whose character has been revealed to us in Jesus Christ. A God who has showered us with promises. Sometimes we want things that he has not promised in this world, but he's given us so many promises that those promises can get us through life and keep us rightly related to our future.